morning, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Sunday Sports Wrap. I'm your bus driver, Lisa Johns, and my wingman today, Hamish Solomons. Good morning, Ham. How goes it? Good morning, Lisa. Yeah, I'm really good today. Thank you. Yourself? I'm. I am. I'm really happy. I'm. I'm well, <laughs> and we're ready to go. Well, the pressure is on a little bit. Stuart's pressure not here. Stuart's uh, left us for a little holiday. Again. Uh, he's in Ireland at the moment. Again. So you're behind the controls. Yep, love Ho- it. Hopefully everything <laughs> works. Yes. Did you hear that name? Silence. Yep, love it. Love it. There is no doof doof music, no starters pistols, <laughs> no trucks backing up. It's peace and quiet. Our regular listeners would know we did an outside broadcast last Sunday at the Brighton Beachside Dash and we were supposed to be down at the Lugano Lions Spring Fair at Gannon's Park this morning. But due to some technical problems with the system, we are tucked up nice and warm back in the studio. Yeah, look, it was my first time outside. Mm. I really enjoyed it. I'm easily distracted, as you probably experienced last yes, week. Yes, that was, that was fun. Concentration isn't my forte. And so to try and talk some sport, but also have <laughs> other things going on around like it was uh, last Sunday was... A challenge for me, so in one sense I was relieved that we were back in the studio this week, but also a little disappointed because I, I love being outside and uh, taking it all in and experiencing new stuff, so that's what uh, I guess today would have been about if we had have been at Gannon's Park, but we can concentrate better now. <laughs> we can. I, I did drive past and it was a hive of activity, so... It's the first time in a couple of years, well, about four or five years that I haven't been down there to do the outside broadcast, so a little bit sad, but nevertheless, we'll get down there next year, I think. Yes. Well, as you said, we are stewless for the next couple of weeks while he gallivants through Ireland with the leprechauns, Yes. which means that, well, none of us are going to be led astray, and <laughs> there's going to be no whinging about Mitchell Pearce. Yes, yes, and there'll be, well, I suppose the, the St. George Rugby League season is over, so he won't be having a, a whinge about uh, them. No. Uh, but we love him. We do. He's going to be missed. He brings a certain <laughs> uh, negativity, <laughs> a certain negativity. <laughs> to the show that we sort of feed off. That's right. uh, I guess we, you like to say that uh, you and I are slightly more upbeat. That's right. Half but, glass full. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The cup's going to be overflowing without him. Yeah, exactly. And that's by his own admission. (laughs) That's right. Well, look, now, before you all call in and ask, I am okay. Yes, I was going to. I'm okay. My swannies went down big time, but I'm okay. We will go through all the AFL and the NRL this morning. It is finals time and it is do or die. And when footy is over, it may surprise some. It's not just cricket that starts. The A-League will kick off shortly yes. and we will be catching up with Adrian Arndt who will be making his refereeing debut this season. That, that's a bit scary. It's a, yeah. I'd be scared for him. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to talking to him because um, I never realised he was on this pathway. I've known him and his family for a while now and uh, I'm intrigued by it all. But also, obviously, there's been a lot going on with match officials in mm-hmm. a lot of sports. Mm. There's a lot of pressure. So I think it's a brave move to take on a, a career path like that. So I'm really, really looking forward to uh, getting down and dirty with Adrian and talking to him about uh, his pathway. But also, I guess, importantly, to find out a little bit more about the A-League. Yeah, that's exciting. It just seems to be off soon. growing and growing. And we'll, we'll also try and locate somewhere in the wilderness our favourite runner, Aaron Royal, and yes. see how his challenge of 18 marathons in eight months is going. Yeah. So buckle up, folks. He's in WA at the moment, I believe. Yeah. So hopefully uh, he's awake when we ring him. Yeah, hopefully. The two-hour time <laughs> delay. We'll leave, we'll leave it as long as possible, but let's uh, see how he's going. Well, I know that they didn't 
march on to victory. <laughs> but I couldn't help. I wanted to play that song one more time for the season. Geelong 15-8-98 defeated the Sydney Swans 5-9-39. Going into the game, the Swans were riding high after romping through their first finals game against the Bombers and the Cats were licking their wounds after a shellacking from Richmond and many had labelled the Swans as premiership favourites. The Swans had beaten the Cats five out of the last six times by an average of 51 points. So all signs pointed to the Swans, but fear a wounded cat and one Patrick Dangerfield. Mm. (laughs) So how confident were you going into this game? What was your personal feel? I I was a little bit nervous mm-hmm. and everyone said, don't be ridiculous. And they rattled off all those stats that uh, we just talked about. Yep. But I just I just felt the last time we met the cats, we, they were without Dangerfield. He yep. was, that was that suspension, that controversial suspension that has ruled him out of Brownlow contention. Yep. He had the week off on the sideline and then into the first quarter, their other main man, Joel Selwood, picked up an injury that he then went and missed the rest of the home and away competition with. Yep. So I just wasn't sure that we could measure up the last result with what we were going to expect. I did expect better. The Swans, 39 points, is the lowest since something like 1997 that they've scored, which is not great to happen in a semi-final. Mm. So, I mean, Geelong were, were absolutely barraged due, during the week by experts and commentators that they were hopeless against Richmond, that they needed to stand up. So all week the focus was on Geelong and were they going to rise to the team that people think they could be. So when they get to the ground and there's a late withdrawal from their defender Tom Lonigan with food poisoning... Dodgy sausage roll, apparently. It wasn't wasn't an ideal start. But to the credit of Geelong coach Chris Scott, he made lemonade out of lemons, moving his midfielder Patrick Dangerfield into the forwards and switched forward Harry Taylor to defend Buddy Franklin, and it was genius and it worked. Right. Dangerfield kicked four goals in the first half and Buddy went goalless the entire game. So from the Swan side of things, it, it wasn't pretty. Our handling, it was a, a fumble-a-thon. Our ball usage was inaccurate and we just absolutely panicked. A number of our big players like Kennedy, Parker and Franklin, they were off their game. They didn't have a great game and unfortunately no one else stood up. You need the other players to stand up. Not everyone can have a great game every week. We have relied on those those type of players and when they were off, yeah. there was no one else to fill that void. Did, did they peak? A week early. The thing I think about the Swans is the whole way through, basically their season was on the line. After zero and six, mm. Mm. they they had to play do or die football every week. Yep. And I just wonder if they ran out of gas. Ran out of steam, yeah. I guess that's a fair point. I, I suppose the thing that intrigues me, in your opinion, who's, who's the better AFL team, the Giants or the Swans? Oh, the Swans. In my opinion, yeah. I'm, I'm a bit biased. Because I think a lot of people were starting to doubt the Giants. The Giants have had uh, a rough season. Yeah. They've had a lot of injury. They've had a total of 143 games of players missing with injury. Yeah. And some of them are their big name players, like Brett Delidio, uh, Stephen Canelio, as well as Jeremy, Jeremy Cameron, Shane Mumford, that yep. they missed last night's game. Yep. So... I think the Giants have done well to get to where they are considering the season that they've had. Yeah. On the on their day, if both teams are playing at their best, yep. it's very tight. It's they're both very they're so different. The Swans like to wrap up the football and just defend and make a con, uh, a contest out of it, and GWS are quick around the ground. So on their on their day, I would give give the biggies to the Swans, but yep. they're not they're not there anymore and and the Giants are. So Look, I'm still proud of the Swans. Yeah, well... They, they've made history this year. It's an amazing yeah. season when you think about it. Becoming the first team to go 0-6 and six and then move and finish in the top eight. Yep. Uh, that was pretty impressive. And look, 
it wasn't the game for Jared McVeigh, his 300th game. He becomes a very rare player that's made 300 games. Mm. He was cheered off and you couldn't help but see that there was a few tears in his eyes that it wasn't the game that he wanted to have for his 300th game. But, you know, still heads high, boys. I think it was a, a pretty good season. So there are a lot of superstar AFL players hanging up the boots this year. Any from the Swans? None that I know of. Well, that's that's a positive. It will surprise. It will come as a surprise if I hear some news about. Yeah, well, I suppose I, there's always time in the next yeah, week or two for right. guys to think on. Uh, you know, the the possibilities would have been Jared McVeigh, but he's signed on in the last couple of weeks for another season, and yep. their other defender. I'm thinking of the older brigade, like Heath Grundy. Yeah. Um, but I haven't heard any news of that. But uh, a couple of players that um, that have hung up the boots from the GWS West Coast game. There was some three pretty big names for leaving from the West Coast. With GWS winning that game, they will head through to a prelim final against Richmond at the MCG. But I think it would be remiss of us if we didn't acknowledge that the, the Eagles' loss brings an end to the careers of two Brownlow medalists, Sam Mitchell and Matthew Prittis. And Drew Petrie is also retiring. He's a 300 gamer. So there's some pretty big names that retired last night in that game. But that game, the Giants and the and the West Coast, I thought Stevie J was back. Mummy and, and uh, Shane Mumford and Jeremy Cameron were out. The Giants were out of form. I thought the West Coast were going to win this. Boy, was I wrong. Yeah, so I guess the big question now, there's a little bit of form back, obviously. When you win a game like that, yeah, and they'll be buoyed by it. That victory. That's a big win. That's a big win yeah. in a big game. And they're, they're up against Richmond. I guess you'd rather be up against Richmond than the Crows. Yeah. So I... the question begs, do you think they can go one step further? I, I'm really not sure what to think of that game mm. because it depends on which Richmond team turns up. If the team that beat Geelong turns up, yep. then GWS got no hope. Yep. But if Richmond, the team that we know can fall away and go missing turns up and is overawed by the occasion, then GWS is there for their taking. Yep. But they're going to be at the MCG with a very strong yes. Richmond uh, Richmond Tigers fan base, 95,000 there at the last game, yep. very parochial. How many at the Swans game? There was about 51,000, I think, at the Swans game. Yep. 18,000 at the GWS game, which is pretty sad. Yeah. It's the lowest crowd for a final since World War II. Really? Yeah. Wowza. But never fear, Adelaide and Geelong, that will be packed to the rafters at the Adelaide Oval and Richmond will take on the GWS Giants at the MCG and that too will be packed. All right, so AFL superstar that you are, <laughs> who's going to win that game? Which one? Geelong and Crows. Cats and Crows. Adelaide. I'm cheering for Adelaide now. Now my swans are gone. Yep. I'm cheering for Adelaide. I'd love to see Eddie Betts get a premiership. Yeah. Okay. So there you go. And they've been the, the dominant team all year, so one would think yeah. that they would yeah. uh, earn so. their spot in the grand final and go all the way. Yeah, they'd, so. they'd be still the, the firm favourites. Yes, most definitely. Uh, I'm a bit of a Geelong person. Are you? Yeah, so I, I don't mind seeing them win. Oh, I mean, I much would have would have much preferred the Swans to have, <laughs> to have won. Get out. The Swans are obviously my second team. Um, but, yeah, I, I've always liked Geelong, especially through that, that dominant period that they had going back mm. five or six years ago. Yeah, with Gary Ablett as well. Mm. NRL. The Broncos, 13, defeated the Panthers, 6, on Friday night. It was a pretty even affair, a bit of a grinding game fitting of a final. Yeah, I tell you what, and and Griffin, the Penrith coach, would have been looking for revenge too, mm. as he's uh, playing against his mm. old club that he lost the job to. Yes, um, yeah, I found it was a bit of a, a dour affair for for me for for a while there, but there was a few things that stood out, and one which will please the St George fans was once again Ben Hunt had yes. an outstanding game. So most certainly, that's a, that's a big positive, and I think off the back of that. Obviously, Darius Boyd's still out. Yep. Wasn't quite right. Took another week off. No, which I thought was going to 
be a bit of a bit of an issue for the Broncos. Well, it just changes their structure, doesn't it? It pushes Big Nick Arima out of the halves. Well, it does change. It, it does change the structure, but then you've got someone like Benji Marshall, mm. who you know has had quite a lot of NRL time now this season. He has. I don't think they expected that when they signed when they threw him that lifeline. I don't think they expected him to line up and in the seven. And it's turning into a great story because everyone had presumed that you know when he didn't start much this year that it was almost lights lights off for Benji. Mm. And now he's potentially li- or heading towards the big dance. Almost got one game to go. But you know that's that's when you've got depth like that. Bennett threw Nicarima to the back, and he did an outstanding job he as well. Did. He did. So if if Boyd comes back, Nicarima moves back into the seven. Does yeah. Benji become Benchy and sit on the sideline, or does he get omitted from the team? Yeah, I think they'll use him now. I think they'll use him. Yeah, he's, he he kicked okay. Yeah, but handling and tackling. Mm, yeah, mm. there or thereabouts. But I, I don't know whether Wayne would think that. Benji's experience would help. Uh, he was Possibly. pretty. He was he was pretty happy with how it all turned yeah. out with his players. He wouldn't be very happy with the amount of uh, concussions that his three of his players. Well, and one of them was an absolute shocker. And we get to the point I'm, I wanted to make. Yep. It wouldn't be an NRL game without refereeing controversy. Mm-hmm. Anthony Milford has the ball. He and Corey Oates collide in a horrific incident. The yep. ball comes loose. The Panthers pick it up and look to run away to score, except that the referees stop play immediately. Yep. Should it have been play on or did the refs do the right thing? It's a real hard one, that one. And I think from what I've listened to in regards to other people discussing this one, it could, could go either way. Mm. A lot of people are saying the refs did the right thing, but if you're a Penrith supporter... Well, would have tied the scoreboard up. You'd have been. And they only lost by a try. It's a big call. Yeah, from my understanding, the refs were, uh, the refs were within their rights to stop it due to right. the seriousness of the collision. It might surprise you, but I sit on the side where it should have been play on. Really? Yeah. But you're a health person. So what? <laughs> Um, I don't know. I'm not sure. About, we need Stu here. I don't know whether it's in the rules. We've seen it all year. Yeah. That they, the referees are just stopping play. And they did it a lot on Friday night, much to the detriment of the Panthers. There was a lot of stop start. And in times when the Panthers seemingly had the momentum and the ascendancy, they got yeah. chopped short. Referee expert Stuart sipping on your Guinness in Ireland. <laughs> Send us a text message and tell us your thoughts on that one. Uh, you might not have seen it. He may not have seen it. But he he's heard us now. That's right. He can give us his opinion. But, yeah, look, I, I, I would have stopped to play if I was riffing. Mm. Uh, to my understanding, when something like that happens and, and you've got players down. It just, it just seems, I don't know, it seems unfair to the Panthers. Like if if they weren't. If there wasn't blood pouring for someone's face, yeah. they would have gone yet play and, on. And if it was people hadn't been knocked it, out. It would have been play it on. It was a Brisbane. That's right. It was era friendly and fire. collision. Yeah, it was friendly fire. Had they played on, it probably would have taken. If it had been one of each, then let, the Panthers supporters would probably be a little yeah, bit more accepting. That's right. But had they played on, it would have taken five seconds for someone to pick the ball up, run it over the try line, plant it down, and then go okay. Try, mm. but let's just wait and see what's going on. I wonder what our viewers think of it because it's it's a bit of an each way situation yeah, at the moment, isn't it? It is interesting. Well, nevertheless, the the call went the way of the Broncos and they led twelve nil. But you can never say the Panthers are dead in the water. Their last twenty minutes is the best in the league in defence <laughs> and ability to score tries, and they did score a try, and they looked the more likely team to score. Yeah. Stuart's, Stuart, Stuart's text messages come in already. I didn't see it, but the refs are always wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Spoken like a true referee. Okay, so he's on uh, Penrith's side there. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing to think about here is, and I think Penrith folks and, and the coach might accept this one, is that they just lacked spark. They did, but this is how they've been playing all season. Mm. First sixty minutes is a bit dour. Yep. Last twenty minutes, kabang, 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 try, try, try. Yep. That's how they've been playing, 
And they've been climbing themselves out of many a hole. Yep. And so you can't discount them yeah, until exactly. right up to the end of the they, day. They have been off and on. In fact, they were pretty disappointing early doors because you and I both had them tipped yeah. as yep. being potentially That's right. premiership uh, teams there. Yep. Oh, well, nevertheless. It's season over. Back to the drawing board. And they've got some things to work out in regards to one Matty Moylan as well. There's some yeah, issues there. There are some issues. But some good points for the, the Panthers from this season. Nathan Cleary. Massive. I think, have been a massive positive for them. Josh Mansell. I think he had a huge game on Friday night. He's back. He's overcome that ACL yeah, injury. He was – I love him. He just gives everything – Coming back from that injury, something wasn't there. Mm. He wasn't his usual self. Yeah, it's taken but him a I while. But I think he was, aside from maybe Campbell Gillard, I think he was Penrith's best yep. in that game. Yeah. So some good points for the season from mm. the Panthers. Bit of work to do off field um, now that the season is over. Um, but the Broncos live to fight another day. They're a bit of the walking wounded. I think they finished with one on the bench, but they still held firm and now they'll take on the Melbourne Storm next week, but we'll get to that in a little minute. The Eels took on the Cowboys last night and probably wished they didn't. <laughs> the, the Cowboys prevailing 24-16, no JT, no Matt Scott. They fell into the eight and now they are set to face the Roosters in a semifinals, just one win away from what would be a remarkable start in a grand final. Mm. We've been riding off the Cowboys. Wowzers. Well, I know, I think I have for a while. I was adamant that Cronulla were going to knock them over in last Sunday's game and that would be season over. And all along, it's because of this no JT, no mm. Jonathan Thurston situation. Uh, I think Jonathan Thurston's influence has nothing to do with it anymore, other than his influence as like a coach yeah. of the team. Because now here's a team that is not affected by the fact that he's not there. No. Because other guys have put their hand on, and there's an atmosphere, and there's passion within the team. Mm -hmm. There's resilience. There's all the good things. And you could see that in yesterday's game. They're building nice. Absolutely. They've been fighting all season. Yep. People have doubted them. People have put a black line through them saying, no, JT, no They shouldn't no have been chance. there. Well, they Saint relied George on the should, result of another yeah, team. Exactly. St. George should have beaten Canterbury mm. in the last game of the season. And North Queensland should have been knocked out. Now they're in the last four. Uh, with a win over Parramatta that was nothing short of, um, I guess you'd say, passionate mm -hmm. and very, very interesting to watch. And now there's a good chance that they could overcome uh, the Roosters who have had a week off yes. to make a grand final. I never liked the week off. So for the Cowboys going in into that game, they're riding high on a wave of momentum it was such a gritty, determined, never-say-die season for them, and it turned into a gritty, determined, never-say-die game. Yep. And I think they've been rewarded for that attitude. Their Absolutely. success has been wonderful. I, I tell you what I see when I see that North Queensland team and the way they played last night, I see huge heart. Yep. And I yeah. see belief now. Yeah. And belief is one of the most important words in the sporting dictionary. And I reckon the team would have lost a little bit of that belief when they saw JT go down, as well as a string of other players all season. They've lost player after player to injury. They've been in and out. Yep. For me, Michael Morgan was absolutely superb last night, and he has been in the last couple of weeks. And I think the absence of Jonathan Thurston has been good for him mm. in that he's had to stand tall and take his game to the next level. Not good for New South Wales, though. <laughs> yeah. And now he's a better player. He's a more dangerous player, and when the pairing of Michael Morgan and Jonathan Thurston reunite, yeah. look out. Absolutely. Yeah, not good for New South Wales. And a lot of people had doubts on Morgan taking the number seven jersey, yeah. and I think he may have battled with that initially. Battle no more. He's made it his own. He's the new Thurston. What did you make of the Eels game last night? Eels were poor. Yeah. Completion rates probably oh. says it all, doesn't it? In fact, so they much. were lucky to be leading at half time because they're, they're two tries oh, they're two, against a run of play. That's right, two coast to coast runaway tries off off yeah. um, you know poor kicks, I guess you, you'd say. Yep. Um, so really, they shouldn't have been 
in front in the first half because the North Queensland completion rate was perfect after the first half. It was, 100%. And nothing changed in the second half except for the fact that the Cowboys completed a few more tries and Parramatta continued to make errors. They did. They, they, were th- they weren't the Parramatta we saw last week against the Storm. And I think, and I, I mentioned this, I uh, did a little visit on Ladies Who League. Yes. And I mentioned that I, the way I kind of look at it is the team that has the smallest gap between their best performance and their worst performance mm-hmm. will invariably win the premiership. Yep. Because you can't always rely on people bringing out their top game and, you know, nerves and everything come into it. And so the, the team with the smallest gap between their best and their worst performance, I think, is the team that will come away with it. The Eels had a huge gap yes. between their best and their worst. Yeah. Well, what you've just said is Melbourne to a T. Exactly. It is exactly Melbourne. But that, that gap is almost null and void. But it almost doesn't the exist. The way the Cowboys went about things last night. I loved it. Um, you know, I, I really I really enjoyed it as well, I must say, even though they're from over that border, over that mm. rugby league border that we don't really like, there's something to like about how they've gone about their business. Yeah. It's almost a fairy tale. Well, it's was, fast becoming a fairy tale, isn't it? You stole my notes. I wrote, oh. Is this the fairy tale story for 2017? Could well be. The game had a lot of passion in it. It did. So you can't fault Parramatta for that because <laughs> there were a few Donnybrooks yeah. uh, that almost erupted. I thought there were going to be punches thrown. In fact, I think there may have been one. So that one of the Parramatta yeah. supporters may have been lucky not to have spent time in the bin. But I just wonder whether that might have been a part of the the North Queensland plan, knowing that those Parramatta players potentially might be put off their game with some of the the rough play there, or whether Parramatta are a little bit over-focused on that. I I feel that the Eagles... It's been a good season for them. There have been so many positives to come out of it. I think, yeah, they over-achieved. They they, they spent half their season without Clint Gutherson. Yes, and I think a lot of Eels supporters will be relieved to know that potentially their halves issues are finally over. Yeah. Fingers crossed for a clean off-season well, where there's no issues. <laughs> yeah. They've gone through their fair share of halves, haven't but they? But those two, Corey Norman yep. and Moses, Mitchell Moses, yep. will get better. I agree. First, well, half a season. It's, I agree. They didn't even start together this season. You know, and they've also got Bevan French, who was sitting on the sideline. As mm-hmm. I said, Clint Gutherson. Yep. They do lose Semi Rad Radra. He that we played his last game in the NRL last night. He's heading over to Toulon. In I think he'll be rugby. back eventually. I think he'll come back at some point. Yeah. But they won't have him next year. But I still think that things look good. You know, one of the standouts for me for the Eels this year has been Nathan Brown. Absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more there. He's probably my Parramatta player of the year. Right. Uh, And a lot of the work that those sort of guys do flies under the radar when you've got players like Rad Radra and Mitchell Moses and Gutherson when he's fit. Yeah, yeah. But someone has to lay the platform for that, and I think Nathan Brown has done an outstanding job, and I wouldn't be surprised if he starts to put his hand for higher honours. It's a bit interesting. After a season he, like he that. He was kind of unwanted at mm. the rabbits, I think, he came yep. from. And before that, I think he was somewhere else. And he's only kind of just found his home now and, and really started to, well, to for, show for, his promise. For, for most good players, it's got to happen at some stage. And they say for, for certain players, when you change clubs... Uh, you're forced out of your comfort zone. Yeah. And pa- potentially uh, the coach may have had a lot to do with yeah. his, his star beginning to shine. So, you know, not surprised for a guy like that. Uh, it happens a lot. They change clubs and they find their feet. The fit with the coach is so important. Mm. If you, you come across a good coach and they just get the best out of you and they know how you tick and how you think... Once you find that pairing, look yep. at Darius Boyd. He's followed Wayne Bennett all Absolutely. over the world. Absolutely. Uh, I think that's pretty important. Dad, as he calls him. <laughs> we, we discussed a little bit earlier how we might have our best ofs for the uh, NRL season. We go through the teams. But just off the top of your head, coach of the year. Oh, golly. That's mm. a really tough question. We might have to sit on that one. Yeah, for let week. me think about it. You'll almost be leaning to Paul Green now after the Cowboys victory. 
Yeah, well, he's been ably assisted in that box at the moment by Jonathan Thurston. So. Yes, and then you've got Brad Arthur. Yeah, the first the name that sprung to my mind was Brad Arthur in the Eels. Yeah. Craig Bellamy, I mean, he's always up the top of the list. So Absolutely. He's always... And, and, and who knows, the Broncos still might have <laughs> yeah. um, one more say in that Well, and how the season finishes up. A good segue there, the semis. We've got the Broncos up against the Storm. And the Roosters up against the Cowboys. How yep. do you see it playing out? Obviously Storm. I think the Broncos potentially, yeah. But they're just maybe too wounded for me at the moment. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how some of those players are going to back up. They rely on Oates for try-scoring potential. Well, they claim he's going to be okay, which I think is oh, a big call what, so early on I in the week. What, I've seen... Lesser lesser collisions mm. and head knocks mm. see players sit out a week. And if we're really serious about player welfare, I think that one. Yeah, definitely. But although he looked okay in the sheds. <laughs> um, but it, there's there's obviously the delayed issues as well. He doesn't look it? as pretty as he did when he started the game. That's no, and, and he scored an absolute ripper of a try. So it's ain't Storm there. Storm, yeah. I think hard to go past him. Yeah, at you, home. You, can't, you can never tip against the Storm. No. Nah. Roosters and Cowboys, I think this is going to be the really interesting game. Yeah, whereas I would have said week off Storm, no problem. Week off Roosters, yeah, big problem. I think so. They haven't been consistent enough. Yeah. They struggled in the last round against the Newcastle Knights who took out the wooden spoon. A week off for them is probably not what they needed. I love what I saw last night with the Cowboys. I'm doing it. I'm yeah, going the Cowboys. The Cowboys. I think I'm going to get on the cowboy train with you. Mm. I know there's a Sydney team left. I know it's the Roosters, but yeah. it's the Roosters. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I can back them. I just don't know if I can do it. So I'm I'm going to be a bit of a traitor and put my allegiance with the Cowboys. I would love to see that fairy tale transpire. Yeah, and you know what? We've got to almost hate each other for for doing this because they're the last Sydney team and we yeah, should be I following know. our that's own. What I mean. But it's the Roosters. I know, and I, and I, I know mean. Stewie too, he would probably be with us. He would I, disown us if we backed the Roosters. He's not a, a Roosters man no. at all, is he? Not at all. So there you have it. Let's see how we go. I've been backing against the Cowboys just about all year. And maybe I'm, you should keep doing that. Or maybe. <laughs> maybe. So anyway, watch that space because it's they're going to be – Two pretty good games now. Definitely. Four teams left, three games to go yep. in the season. So we're thinking, ooh, we're thinking Melbourne. Cowboys. North Queensland Cowboys grand final. Yep. See if we're right. Michael Zullo for Milos Ninkovic. Brillante available. Can hit them from long range. Will try one. What a goal! Totally unstoppable. Brilliant technique from Josh Brillante. Welcome back. You are listening to the Sunday Sports Wrap. Well, the end of the footy season brings the start of another football season. The Hyundai A-League kicks off on October 6th and making his debut with the whistle this season is Adrian Arndt and he joins us now. Good morning, Adrian. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, Lisa. Morning, Hamish. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. So, Adrian, you've decided to become a soccer referee or a match official as... Football referee. Uh, uh, football, sorry, yes. Now, how long have you been refing for? And, and tell us a little bit about the pathway that has led you to now uh, where you're about to, I guess, ref at the top level in Australia. Yeah, yeah. So it's... Uh, I started when I was about 14. I, um, I was uh, originally a player... Um, Playing for Lugano wasn't particularly good. Um, we're all and, we're all uh, cheering because Le- uh, Lisa's a Lugano person, and my kids actually play for Lugano as we speak. So yeah, that's yeah, where it I, all started uh, for you. Yeah, that's where it started back in uh, back in Lugano back in the day. So um, yeah, picked up the whistle when I was at fourteen uh, with this with this St George Association. It's kind of progressed uh, progressed through there through both the um, at the semi professional I suppose league with the the New South Wales um, National Premier League. Um, spent some time on the on the youth league, uh, the M National Youth League, which is essentially a, a reserve grade to the A League, and uh, yeah, kind of applying, putting it back into the um, with the the Premier League in New South Wales, and yeah, looking forward to the chance on the A League this season. Fantastic. So one of the things I've I was thinking about is fitness 
and how hard you need to work on your fitness in in order now to take the step up to the top level how hard do you or how much time do you spend on your fitness to be able to to do that yeah we um we uh we do a fair bit of training actually i think it's probably one of the uh one of the things that a lot of people probably uh probably aren't aware of um as a as a group so we've got uh the match officials on both the, the a league and w league um england's league here in here in sydney we'll train together uh twice a week as a as a group um and then do our own individual sessions uh, over the course of the the course of the week as well so i think i'll probably probably do about between eight and ten um yep. over the course of the week um which is a whole mix of stuff and the uh you know the the professionalism i suppose from the um what we need to do we get we get heart rate data sent through to football australia every couple of weeks that they go through and then can tailor programs to kind of kind of suit where we individuals are at right and do you have like a, a a lead mentor type person within that system that runs the show there yeah there's um there's a lot of structure behind it all so we've got uh both both fitness coaches and then there's uh assessors and coaches basically on on every game that'll uh that'll obviously watch your watch your performances and um you'll have a debrief session the day a couple of days after the game to go through um kind of the the key match decisions uh, and hopefully there's not a lot of there's not a lot to go through yes. um but but yeah it, it is quite a quite a detailed process around the the fitness side and then obviously the um analysis of the game post match as well so, Adrian, you physically we prepare for games and things like that, and you just mentioned about your fitness and things like that. Is there a way you kind of prepare for your like the psychology, the analysis of the game, your decision making processes? Yeah, yeah. Look, I think um, you know we've seen with the last couple of years, particularly with the A League, the 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 way that the teams are playing and the style of game that they're playing is is very different, um, and I think that's probably going to be going to feature this year with some of the some of the high quality uh, import players that have come over across the across the league. Yeah. So yeah, we, we do put a, a lot of effort into kind of understanding um, the way that teams play, and in before the game, obviously, you know, trying to compare what some of the things that we need to be aware of is who the kind of key players are that you need to watch out for and stuff like that. So there's a there's a whole lot that does go into it from a as you say from a fitness side, but also then from the the uh, pre-game kind of awareness on what's going on. Tell us a bit about the pressure of being in the middle. I mean, this week we've seen the NRL refs cop it quite a bit and they cop it week in, week out, but so much so that Todd Greenberg's come out and said, lay off the refs, it's not their fault. How do you respond to all that kind of criticism that comes with being the referee? Yeah, I think I was um, I was really happy what, uh, what happened with the NRL with Todd, Todd Greenberg coming in. I think it's... Um, I think for the for the game, it, the, the the discussion around kind of the the match officials, it's it's not really helpful for the game, particularly when you when you're talking about it, you know, for for a week for a week post game, and, and there's been some really good footy footy played. Um, and I think it's probably not so much a well, it is an issue from the, at the elite level with the NRL and obviously with A League, but I think from a um, it actually it actually has a bigger impact down at the grassroots. I think from a I'm yet to yet to meet a referee um, in football, and I think it'd be similar across any any code that kind of joint starts to being a referee with the aspiration of I suppose refereeing a, a World Cup final. It's a little bit different to a player who mm. kind of has aspirations to play for the Socceroos or play for the the Dragons or whatever else. So I think being able to kind of for the NRL to come out and really be quite um, quite quite vocal in the support of referees, it all filters down to the grassroots. Um, where where that's the support that's a lot of those kids and you know running around at your parks on the weekend that's where a lot of support's needed so I think um, yeah it's it's been a similar thing in uh, with the A League over the last couple of years where um, the Football Australia have come out and really supported the referees um, and I think it's yeah as I say really important to kind of maintain that but also for the grassroots to kind of get a mm. perception of what is and what yeah what is needed to support the referees coming through. Now I don't confess to being all that knowledgeable when it uh, when it comes to to football and the A League. I do follow it a little bit. Um, how is this season, in your opinion, shaping up? Yeah, I think it'll be great. I've um, I've seen probably I refereed half the half the teams so far in both uh, pre season 
pre-season games in the in the FFA Cup, um, and it, the, the quality has been great. I think we are, uh, you know, we saw the other night with um, Sydney FC, one of their new marquee players um, who's come over. He's going to be a great addition. I think he's from Poland. Um, going to be a great addition, and I think a lot of the a lot of the clubs now um, are basically investing in and in using that that marquee spot for some really high quality players. And I think that augurs well for a really exciting a uh, really exciting season. Adrian, you've you probably, I mean, you've grown up through football. You've likely had some teams you've followed in the earlier years. Is it is it hard to put allegiances aside? Yeah, to be honest, I um yeah, look, I I was I wasn't a massive uh, someone who watched a lot of a lot of soccer when I was growing up. I was very much into the the league and that AFL. Um, but I think it's being so close to um, and being so closely involved in the game now. You kind of uh, kind of get a real appreciation for. Um, for the amount of work that all the, all the clubs do behind the scenes, both to kind of get themselves up for the game, and um, then obviously then out, the, the game and outside of the, what they do in terms of promoting promoting the game and, and things like that. So, um, in terms of allegiances, it's uh, basically you, you see all the teams at various mm. points. But um, yeah, it's, it's always it's always good to, uh, to kind of be involved in a in a game in that in the kind of elite competition in the country. And would there be a clash that you would be looking forward to potentially being a part of? Like I'm thinking something like the the big blue between Sydney and Melbourne Victory or something like that. Yeah, I think obviously being being a Sydney person, I think the Sydney Derby would be a great game to um, to be involved with. I think they're playing a few at ANZ at Homebush this year, which uh, hopefully should draw a uh, draw a pretty pretty big crowd, which would be exciting. Um, but yeah, look, I'm just keen for the for the season to start. Hopefully, nothing too controversial. Um, but no, it should be should be good. When it comes to the media, you guys drilled on what you can say and what you can't say. So, for instance, I'm thinking like, who does who do you think are going to be the favourites for this competition? Are you allowed to comment on stuff like that as a as an official? No, it keeps it pretty keeps it pretty balanced. I think um, you know, I think the the quality, as I say, amongst all the teams this year is going to be really strong. There's some. Um, some really good marquee players and high quality, um, high quality and well-known players across the across the league in all the teams. Um, so no, I think I think it'll be a really a really good season. Season, um, you know, it's basically kind of been building year on year. So I think that'll continue again this year. Right. So the season will start October eighth, I believe. So we're Six. not okay. October sixth. Um, do you know whether you'll get a get a, a shot at? One of those first round games? Yeah, not at this stage. We uh, we we find out probably a week to a week and a half prior. Um, so yeah, fingers, fingers crossed. Um, I'm probably one of the, I'm one of the younger guys on the uh, on the on the panel. So whether I uh, get a get a run at the start of the season or, or midway through, we'll uh, we'll wait and see. But no, I'm very much looking forward to it. Well, it is an absolutely tough gig to be the man in the middle with the whistle. Some passionate supporters <laughs> too in those. <laughs> Those teams, geez whiz. So we, we wish you all the very best, Adrian. We've always got you back in this studio, so um, good luck for the season. And and great to hear a local boy. Yeah, well done. Going so yeah, well. Yeah, thanks, thanks, thanks for having me, guys. And I think um, probably probably not well known, but in the St George area, the um, the St George Referees Association actually contributes the, the highest number of uh, match officials to the national panels in the country. So from a a small kind of area. It's, um, you know, they've seen some really, really great performances from match officials, both from the A-League and then on the Women's League as well. Fantastic. It's a terrific place to live. And, uh, yeah, as a local boy, congratulations, and we'll, we'll keep our eye out for you. Cheers. Thanks, guys. It's a good time to talk about the Matildas because yesterday they took on Brazil in a friendly out at Pepper Stadium, out at Penrith. To an absolute sellout crowd. Now, this crowd, this game was sold out weeks in advance. It's, I think it's the biggest crowd the the women have played, the Australian women have played in front of in Australia. It comes off the back of some really good news for the, the W League, which will be kicking off on October 27. There's been some increases in the minimum wage and they look to increase that further in the following seasons. And potentially uh, under the FFA with this landmark deal, the top earners that play for the Matildas could potentially earn uh, $130,000 a year, which brings them up to speed with some of the other women. But I think more than that, the Matildas have been playing really well 
and they're gaining a great following in this country. I would have them up there as our currently some of our most successful teams going around. Yeah, definitely. Off the back of the win of the Tournament of Nations, they yep. beat America for the first time. They beat Brazil in that 6-1 and they beat Japan, I think it was the other yes, country. Yes, it was, yep. So yesterday's crowd was a sellout crowd. Australia prevailed 2-1. A wonderful goal to Lisa Devanna to open the scoring. It was a beauty. Oh, it was just a, it was a, a volley. Yep. Just a nice, nice lead up work. And yeah, goals. some really good lead up work. And then to finish it off, Sam Kerr, the lady of the hour. Everyone's talking about a back header into the back of the net. 2-1 and that Australia That was a ripper as well. She's a goal scoring machine, oh, that one. absolutely. I was, I was very disappointed though. There was no backflip. Ah, so what sort of numbers are we talking about for this game? Oh, I think there was about um, 18,000 there. Wowza. Yeah. So the next game, there's a, this is the one, the first of two friendlies. Yeah. The next one will be on Tuesday night at Newcastle, and I believe something like 13,000 tickets have already been sold. Really? So. And that's in Newcastle. On a Tuesday night. That's yeah. fantastic. So that's Especially absolutely Especially when you put wonderful. into perspective, GWS game, 18,000. Yeah. So we were just talking about the NRL games and how they've been struggling That's for right. numbers there during was these a, big games. There was a lot going on yesterday. Yeah. We had Parramatta playing. Mm. We had GWS playing. So for the women to sell out Pepper Stadium before, way before any of this other stuff happened, yep. is, is absolutely fantastic. What I liked most about it was there was a distinct female voice in the crowd so when the cheering went up, and you know how people start doing yep. chants and things like that, yeah. it was distinctly young female voices. Yes. So little girls who'd gone out with their parents yep. who are feeling quite inspired. Soccer is one of the highest sports for participation. Yep. And so to see these women inspiring this next generation, I thought was truly wonderful. Absolutely. And to hear those young girls out there excited and cheering on their players. We've watched Sam Kerr from afar. Right, sister of Daniel Kerr, West Coast Eagles. Absolutely. And she's currently probably the best player going around in the world. She's been nominated in the top 10 uh, by FIFA, yep. and that will be voted on very shortly yeah. as to who is the top female player in the world at the moment, and she's the red-hot favourite. And by all accounts, could easily play in the women's AFL. Yes, yes. She probably grew up playing just as much AFL as... Uh, soccer in the backyard. That's right. And uh, I'm pretty sure I heard that they wanted her. Yeah, but she's focusing on a little on tied football. up playing for her country in soccer. Yeah, yeah. So there was. I read an article yesterday about her and and her brother as well. Daniel is. Yep. It's well documented. He's had some troubles um, off field as well, and yep. she in fact didn't speak to him for two years. Oh, really? But. You know, they've mended the hatch. Well, what is that? Buried the hatch. Buried the hatch. <laughs> mended the hatch. Mended the fence. Mended, the, fe- mended the bridge. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. And now now they're great mates and, and she's used what's happened to him off field and the des- decisions and choices he's made to teach her how yeah. to prepare and, and play for her country and the f- kind of the... The fame that comes with it that and the sport, pressures that come with that it. That sport, I love those stories. I love those sporting stories. Yeah, she's not a huge person to like the limelight, Yeah, but she's seen what it can do to yes. someone yep. firsthand and so she's learnt from those. And, and no better to learn oh, from a family member. Absolutely. So, yeah, she was uh, around AFL a lot, yep. but being the first player in her family to play for the in the Olympics was a, a feat that she really enjoyed to tick off. And, look, it's just fantastic. The Matildas are going from strength to strength, and there's a World Cup coming up in 2019, I think it is. They're going to be hot contenders. We've got to be looking forward to that because off the back of their current form, they'd have to be ranked in the top three or four. Yeah, for sure. Considering they knocked over America, and America won the World Cup, right? That's right. The previous World Cup. Yeah, yeah. They've, they've, they've knocked off all the big big teams. I wonder if Sam can hold a bat. <laughs> Let's get her into the WBBL. Yeah, definitely. All-round athlete. Absolutely. Wonderful. So keep looking out for those Matildas. They play again on Tuesday night, and it's wonderful to see them going from strength to strength. I'm still lost and running. I can't get Joining us from somewhere in Australia (laughs) is our favourite resident runner. He's running around Australia for a very good cause uh, for Lap for Lives, 
that will raise funds for the Black Dog Institute. I am, of course, talking about Aaron Royal. Good morning, Aaron. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. Oh, thank you for joining oh, us mate. so early yeah. in the morning. Oh, no, what time is it over there? You're in Western Australia, right? Yeah, it's about, it's about quarter to seven. Oh, oh that's, well, that's, right. idea. that's not too bad. You, you're, you'd be up training for your next marathon at that time anyway, wouldn't you normally? Yeah, I'm up anyway. I think last time I spoke to you guys, I was, um, I was midway through a training session and it was blowing a gale. <laughs> yeah, so right. I'm inside this time. Oh, nice. Oh, awesome. Yes, you were running last time we spoke. Aaron, how are things going? Where are we up to? Yeah, things are going well. Um, the body's the body's holding in um, in pretty good stead. Um, the head's in a pretty good place, um, and I've done um, nine marathons at the moment. It's a few more than I expected to do um, at, at this stage, um, but yeah, the body's just been been too good, and I've just been looking forward to running too much. So I've just whacked on an extra an extra few. All right. So the original goal was to run eighteen marathons. Yeah, that's correct. So it sounds like you're heading towards 20. Um, yeah, I think, uh, look, you just meet too many good people and you make too many promises. So I think um, uh, by the time I'm done, it would be close to yeah, 25, I reckon. Oh! 25? And that's in an eight-month period? Yeah, it's going be about 30 weeks. <laughs> I, I was thinking to myself that you were crazy before, but now I'm convinced. <laughs> but, like you said... Uh, Lisa, it's for a great cause and uh, we're very proud of what you're, you're going through at the moment. What has been the highlight thus far? Uh, well, I think it's, it's, a, it's a really good question. Uh, um, obviously, the, the running's great and you get, to, you get the chance to, um, to meet people along the way and, and, the, and the people around Australia are fantastic, very accommodating and, um, and they make you feel right at home. Um, but I, I think... The, the biggest thing that I've enjoyed so far is um, the, the training that I've been doing in the, in the lead-up um, because I don't really have the opportunity to, to know exactly where I am. Um, I've, I've done some runs where, um, you know, I've been, I've, I've been running up sand dunes and I've, you know, running to kangaroos or running to, to emus or I've, I've gone for a swim and there's been a few, you know, dolphins hanging around. And, and the, biggest, the biggest highlight happened to me a couple of days ago when, Francis National Park, which is just uh, one of the most westerly points of Australia, and I was I'd just done some training and I've gone to have a quick swim, and I was about knee knee high knee deep in water, and there was this uh, probably about a two meter um, shark that was just um, about a few meters away from me. It scared the absolute daylights out of me, and I was out of the water as quick as you could possibly imagine. I, oh I did see footage of that on Instagram. That was pretty, um, pretty impressive. But Aaron, you not just using the marathons as training—that's not enough. You also putting in some kilometres between runs. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm just starting to to dabble in um, a few longer distances towards the back end of, um, towards the back end of the of the project. So, um, I'm, yeah, I've. I've I'm sort of using the, the marathons as, as, as long runs and then I do a lot of things in between and I just sort of, my, my I sort of try, try to get out of the car as, as much as possible and if I'm not in the car, I'm, I'm sort of always moving or running around and I try to look at towns and, and, um, and, and check into places by using my feet so I guess I'm always sort of always moving around or always running or always, always training in, in, some sort of, in some sort of sense of the word. It was good to see you get a little bit of recognition recently when you were featured as the main article in the Pace Athletic magazine. That's, uh, are you, do you feel like you're getting enough recognition at the moment for, for the cause that you're running for? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was really nice. To, it was really, really nice to get um, on, the, on, a, on the front cover of the magazine. I've never, never done that before. Um, Especially for something that I'd never expect, like like running. So I met those those um, fellas who were um, who were in charge of Pace Magazine um, during Run Lara Pinta, which is that stage race in the, in the deserts of the Northern Territory. And they were really nice fellas, and they were big supporters of what I was doing. And, um, and they just said, "Yeah, it's, it's, it was it was great to meet you. We want to put you on the front of the magazine." Um, and I was happy, very happy for them to do so. Um, yeah, I mean. I'm, in terms of getting recognition, it's it's not so much um, about me personally getting recognition. It's more about um, the, the the Black Dog Institute and what I'm actually doing it for. Um, 
So I think uh, if, if it could get any more um, recognition, it's for the whole the whole project and why I'm doing it. Um, so I think that message is is, is slowly getting out there um, by me doing these by me doing these runs. So yeah, I just I just love the, for the recognition to go in uh, in the right in the right places and for the reasons that I'm doing it. How's the fundraising going? Do you know where you're at? Um, uh, uh, last time I checked, um, I think it was close to about fifteen thousand. Nice. Um, which was which was you know outstanding. Um, I've got a, I've got a little bit of a goal of, eight, of eighteen thousand, but I was um, at the beginning when I planned on running eighteen mm. eighteen marathons. Um, so I've obviously would like to, to to get as many donations as as, as possible and. Um, just while I've got you guys on the phone at the moment, I've, um, I've got a, a, a Swans, I've got a Swans interview which, um, which I'm handing out to, to someone who's donated wants to hit that goal. So um, anyone that's listening that wants to donate, um, wants to hit that goal um, of the donations, I'm, I'm going to be handing out a, a Swans jersey, which is which is really nice for the Swans to give me. Awesome. Yeah, well, the Swans have been good to you because they won me a bet <laughs> that got you some, some cash coming your way. Yeah, they done well, they? <laughs> they did well. Let's not talk about this week, but yes, they did do very well. Yeah, this week. Yeah, where, where are you at now, Aaron? What like what is coming up for you in the next couple of weeks? Um, so I've just I've just arrived into into Perth. Um, so I've just done all that west coast, and um, yeah, just just going to settle into Perth for a, a couple of days. And I've got a yeah, I've got an event um, called the WTF. 50 miler, so I'm just sort of upping it a little bit. It's, a, um, it's about an 82 kilometre event. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's it's a, it's a little bit it's a little bit longer than um, than a, uh, just a standard marathon. But um, yeah, I just wanted to test my, my body out a little bit more and test the mind out. And, um, I thought this was a good distance. Yeah, talk us through the Lara Pinta experience now from from what i've seen it's one of the most beautiful spots in australia did you run a, a four-day event there and and by all accounts you've come in second position am i right in saying that yeah yeah second position so tell us a little um, bit more about that event because that to me just sounds absolutely crazy yeah it was it was it was um look to, to be honest it was, it was fantastic the scenery was unbelievable the Camaraderie with the people were, were fantastic. Um, so basically, it, it is a four-day event which covers, um, from memory, it was about 140 kilometres over four days, um, with a 45-kilometre run on the last day. So that was always going to be very challenging. Um, you climb the, um, the the highest point in in the Northern Territory, um, and the, it, yeah, the the scenes are just unbelievable. So it was, it was a trail run. It was off the road. Um, and prior to this, the longest run I'd I'd done was a, a, four, a forty-two kilometre marathon, and I had certainly had my doubts about whether or not I'd be able to cover this distance. And um, and I, yeah, I was I certainly surprised myself when I was when the body was feeling the way it was, and um, and then, yeah, and I ended up finishing in in second place, um, and uh, it was it was extremely hot. Um, and I've, I've had a bit of a chance to, you know, reflect on how I've pulled, pulled up with it all, and um, I, I really believe that um, I could probably owe a little bit of it to my cricketing background, having been out on, the, on my feet for um, seven, eight hours on some of those days, um, which is very similar to cricket and, um, you know, yourself mm-hmm. home being out in, in Hawkesbury or, or Blacktown <laughs> yes. in summer. It's, it can be very, very hot and challenging. So, yeah, it will be... We end up being about 17 or 18 hours altogether um, over four days, and yeah, I, I, I certainly surprised myself coming in second place. I didn't, I didn't expect it. I won my age group, which was which was um, fantastic, 18 to 39 year olds, and um, but I guess you don't, as a competitor, you're not sort of not really running um, against anyone. In in the sense because you know you're sort of just battling against this, against yourself is, mm. is, the, is probably the big one because it's such a it's such a mentally challenging aspect and um, you just sort of forget all the people that are around you um, and you really you're really putting the hard yards against yourself so um, yeah the, I guess as I, as I was saying you, you fight against yourself and the the competitors are something you just don't really 
you don't really um, think about too much. Tell us about that mental aspect. Is there something that you kind of think about that keeps you going when you get to that certain point where your brain tells you to stop? Yeah, um, for sure. I mean, probably the best way to describe it is rewind the clock back to when I, I first started training. I remember my first run where I ran four or five kilometres and I was completely stuffed and um, and it took a few days for me to recover and and eventually I said to myself, I want to do a marathon without even doing a half marathon or anything like that. And I guess I slowly started to um, relinquish the, the limitations that I sort of put on myself. And, and once you start to... Um, complete those aspects like running a marathon you sort of say geez I you know I, I didn't think I could do this so what's next and then you complete an ultra marathon and you didn't think you can complete that and then you say for example the run Lara Pintard you know I, I had my doubts about whether or not I could finish those those distances and then I, I you know I really proved myself that I could and and then um I guess I'm slowly searching for for what's next so this next one that's coming up which is um you know a double marathon um I guess I'm sort of trying to take away that limitations that I'm I'm putting on myself, um, and and just saying, look, I, I know I can I know I can do this. Um, this is my choice to put myself in this position. Um, so let's so let's do it. So I think once you 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 take away limitations that you put on yourself, um, you can really change your perspective on things. And and yeah, don't get me wrong, it's very physically hard. The meaning and the mental side is mm. is uh, a big strain, but. Yeah, just I guess you just try to really think, put yourself into that position where you you really try to you really just just try to put those yeah take those limits off away from yourself. And you say that the body's holding up, no injuries yet. Um, I've had a couple of little, had a couple of little um, uh, injuries. I'm pretty new to trail running, so that the the run Lara Pinta had a little um, problem with my with my ankle, but nothing I couldn't manage myself. Um, but I've, I do a lot of uh, recovery, um, which Jock sort of smashed into me before I left. Um, but uh, obviously you don't get the chance to have ice bars and that sort of thing. But, um, yeah, I, I really I really focus on trying to get a lot of sleep. Um, I, I try to eat the, as well as I, I possibly can. And, and then there's the, obviously the... the um, I'm trying to get in the water as, as much as possible as well. So I think that I'm doing as, as much as I can in terms of the recovery side of things in the position that I'm in, in the, the, the position that I'm in. So, um, yeah, I think, um, I don't think this will be the last problem I have, but apart from that, I mean, the, the nails and, and blisters are, are coming left, right and centre. I've pretty much got a couple of nails left on my toes, so they're going. But, I mean, uh, it's not the worst position to be in with, with runners. I know I've, I've got pro- probably pretty lucky um, in comparison to a lot of runners who, who have some, some really serious issues especially the distances that I've run. Right. Having so much time to think, have you begun to work out what's next after all this is done? Uh, yeah, it's a good question. Um, I've, you, do, you certainly do have a lot of time to think. Um, uh, not, only just, not only just running, but um, the driving side of things as well. Yep. Cover a lot of distances on the road. But I got a really good piece of advice from Pat Farmer, who's one of Australia's, you know, Australia's best endurance athlete, and he, he said to me when I met him, um, "Just take one, take one run at a time." Um, and that's that's sort of stuck with me, and that's what I've been doing for you know the past six or seven months or whatever it's been. Um, so I've just been taking one run at a time, and so one marathon at a time, or, or one ultra at a time. And I haven't really thought too much in advance um, just yet, um, but I, mean, I know running's going to be a big part of my life. In the in the future, for many years to come, but um, yeah, in terms of what's what's next, I, I don't I don't know just yet. Um, I'm just going to finish this first and and focus on focus on this and focus on getting those donations donations and focus on completing these runs. Fantastic, Aaron. Well, we wish you all the best for the rest of your marathons. And people, please get on to Lap for Lives and donate and help Aaron. And we might catch up with you again in a few more months. Yeah, great. Give us a call any time. All righty. Thanks, Aaron. Good luck. We have come to the end of another show. 
Thank you so much for listening. We really enjoy your company. Say good day to us. You'll find us on Facebook. You'll find each of us on Twitter. We'll see you guys next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>